Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, the All Blacks take a leaf out of the Springboks World Cup training manual and opt for its second string lineup. Canterbury rugby bosses contemplate another year on the road for the Crusaders. We talk to New Zealand Olympic team chef to mission Dave Curry as he checks out Olympic venues amid the London riots. And we hear from veteran Tall Blacks guard Kirk Penny in the wake of the side's latest international success. The All Blacks coaching staff have taken a leaf out of the South Africans' Tri-Nations book and rested several leading players for the team's test against the Springboks at Port Elizabeth next weekend. Skipper Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, Owen Franks, Corey Flynn, Brad Thorne, Karen Reid, Conrad Smith, Mills Muliaina and Sidavini Sivivatu will all remain behind for the trip. The side will be captained by Kevin Mialamu. While it's not on the same scale as the South Africans' decision to rest 21 front-line players for their opening two Tri-Nations matches, the move will no doubt prompt plenty of discussion. Our rugby reporter Barry Guy says, well, the resting of McCaw and Carter were expected. The number of players Henry's decided to stand down is a surprise. I suppose you could consider it as a surprise in that they always say that they're going to put their best side out and uh, people like Rich McCaw want to play and, uh, you know, they honour the New Zealand jersey and all those sorts of things. But that goes out in World Cup year. And uh, you've got to think uh, one month ahead that uh, we've got to perhaps put these guys in a bit of cotton wool and you don't want them injured. And perhaps if anything is going to happen to anyone, it possibly might happen in South Africa. Much was made about the South Africans resting like, 21 players in for the first two Tri-Nations tests. Case of the, the the pot calling the kettle black? Well, I suppose in a way. Um, but, you know, uh, when the South Africans do it, we can all jump on top of them. But uh, being New Zealanders, of course, I, we're all fully justified in the reasons that uh, the uh, Graham Henry's perhaps uh, giving them a bit of a rest. Uh, yeah, I suppose that is the case. I, I imagine that Graham Henry, or while they still want to win the Tri-Nations, uh, they think, well, we'll just try and do it in Brisbane against uh, the Australians. And actually, the, the, the All Blacks could end up winning this without you know, having to um, win either of these matches. And so they've decided, well, let's not uh, spread them across two games. We'll put our best side out to, in Brisbane. And uh, this is a big test for the rest of them to, um, to show if they're worthy of being in the World Cup squad when they come up against the top South African side. I suppose it was quite noticeable that um, Graham Henry was quite quiet, wasn't he? Uh, and, and restrained in his comments about the South Africans resting those players. So presumably this was always at the back of his mind of what this trip was going to be about. Well, you're exactly right, Stephen. All of this year, and perhaps even late last year, they talked about this plan that they had. I don't know how far back this plan and schedule has gone, but maybe they've uh, they pinpointed games that certain people would play in certain games, and uh, as it turns out, perhaps a whole lot others wouldn't play. And it appears the game in South Africa, where there's perhaps... Uh, more to lose when it comes to the World Cup than win, 
uh, is uh, the one where we'll uh, we'll leave them out. And um, I, I, perhaps they're also just going to hold a little bit back. You know, they've they've proven a point. They've got their top side uh, performed and performed well. Now is the time to take a step back. And just sort of take it easy, perhaps. Well, not easy, but just don't show all your cards leading into the World Cup. Concern, maybe the Springboks could nobble Dan Carter or Richie McCaw. Must be at the back of their minds, was it? Well, I don't know about today, but in the past, coaches that I've spoken to have had reservations about uh, playing in South Africa and how keen the South Africans are to win matches whether that becomes uh, illegal tactics, I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, yes, certainly people I've spoken to in the past have taken every precaution when they've gone to the Republic. Makes for an interesting lineup, though, for the All Blacks, doesn't it? There's obviously players there that are going to be for the future and gives a, a bit of a look as to what an All Blacks team might look like in a couple of years. As you say, without uh, perhaps uh, Dan Carter and uh, uh, Richie McCaw, if you put the other players out on the field, you would still consider them to be a side that's worthy of winning. Uh, perhaps if they don't win, it could come down to the fact that they didn't have those two stars. But you now expect 26 All Blacks to be able to play up to that level and to win. So, yeah, it's, it's a good test for them. And, uh, yeah, there's a few young guys in there that will uh, be the stars of the future. What reaction do we expect then from South Africa and Australia in the wake of this decision? Oh, the media will uh, climb into it uh, because we did the same to the South Africans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Peter de Villiers has to say. He uh, he probably uh, will play the diplomatic line and say, well, it's up to the other side to do whatever they like uh, with the World Cup in mind. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, we can expect to, to cop a bit of flack, but uh, who cares really? The result then, if it goes the All Blacks way... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the South Africans have got everything to lose, haven't they? If, if they get beaten by this all-black side, or perhaps even if it's really close, that's, a, that's hugely encouraging, I think, for the all-blacks and not so for South Africa. So uh, a big test for the South Africans against Australia, um, if they lose that, They'll have some real problems, I think. And then, uh, although they will be better when they come up against the All Blacks a week later. But, uh, yeah, yeah, everything for the South Africans to lose and everything for the All Blacks to gain. That's our rugby reporter, Barry Guy. And still with rugby, another super rugby season on the road looms for the Crusaders with confirmation this week that Christchurch's AMI Stadium will be unusable in 2012 because of earthquake damage. Engineers have recommended the Hadley stand at the ground be demolished. The chief executive of the Canterbury Rugby Union, Hamish Reax, says they're determined to find an alternative home for 2012, as they don't want a repeat of this year when the Crusaders had to play all their matches outside of Christchurch. We're very determined to have the Crusaders play in Christchurch uh, next year. We we don't really want to do the, the travelling road show again. Uh, we want the Crusaders to play in front of their uh, home fans uh, here and, and our partners and, and supporters and, and commercial partners and, and all those good things. Uh, so we're going to be uh, doing everything we can to see them play in uh, Christchurch uh, next year. Uh, and we are working you know, frantically on a range of options uh, now that we, we do absolutely know that AMI Stadium is unavailable to us. What are some of those options? So there's been a, a, a number of them that we're working through. One uh, is, is Rugby League Park uh, at Addington. Now, we don't have any rights to that, and we respect that League uh, has a lease with the council. But we've been talking to both of those, and, and um, they're being very supportive of, of, uh, of 
that is a possible venue. Uh, we've got uh, Rugby Park where ITM Cup games are being played at, at the moment with uh, with Canterbury. Uh, that um, that still remains a possibility. Um, and there's a number of greenfield sites, if you like, that we've been looking at. One which is uh, being widely uh, commented on the media in the last couple of days at Rickerton Park uh, and there's a number of others. So we're looking at all those things to see how we can keep uh, the team in town next year. Capacity-wise, Rugby Park and Rugby League Park, I mean, do, do they work for you? Uh, well, r- Rugby Park is certainly the least um, uh, comfortable in terms of what capacity it might be able to uh, hold. Rugby League Park, uh, if we could um, get agreement to have some temporary stands and, and the older stands uh, be removed and such forth, we could probably get a capacity of you know 20,000, even perhaps, which uh, which would be fine for, for our campaign next year. Presumably, too, you, you time is of the essence with all of this for yeah. obviously working out draws, but also for, for teams and accommodations coming to you, etc. What yeah. sort of timeline have, have you got that you're going to need this resolved well, by? That, that, that's a really good question. We The timeline is actually driven at the moment primarily by uh, the infrastructure that we need to to, to provide this alternative uh, stadia. So there's a lot of um, temporary seating, scaffolding uh, and such forth that's in the country at the moment for the Rugby World Cup. Uh, and it's, it leaves uh, New Zealand at the end of the Rugby Cup for the next you know big event somewhere around the world. And we know the London Olympics has a fair bit of... Um, pull on some of that infrastructure so we're very mindful that we have to make a fair bit of progress in the next few weeks uh, primarily in order to be able to book uh, some of that infrastructure rather than being driven by a, a really tight deadline around the tournament itself or Sanzar's requirements or whatever. They, I mean, they will come into play at some point but the primary driver at the moment is, um, is temporary infrastructure. Well you're talking sort of a, a month, two months we don't think we've got two months. We, we, we think we've got less than that uh, from what we understand and, and hear from the, uh, the the infrastructure people around uh, the temporary facilities. So we, we, we're more in a matter of, of you know some weeks than, than a couple of months. If that can't be resolved, does that leave you back with a, the Crusaders on the road again? Or, or can, well, you, well, I mean, can I, you categorically say that you've got, that you're going to avoid that? We're going to do everything we can to avoid that. So... Uh, if if that the last fallback position, then um, you know it must sit there as an option. It is not what we are wanting to do. It is not what we are spending all our uh, waking hours working on. Uh, it is to find an alternative uh, to that arrangement. Financially, can you take that hit again? Uh, financially, it's uh, pretty difficult times, and we you know clearly we we will need help to uh, have a temporary facility that keeps us in Christchurch next year. We, we won't have the capacity to do that on our own. There will need to be support from somewhere, uh, whether that's private sector or public sector or the rugby community or a repeat of the Red Sox campaign that um, the yachting boys did or whatever it is, there will need to be a way in which we um, uh, garner some support to get this across the line. We, we, we haven't got the capacity to do it on our own. What are your estimates that it would cost you to, to get a temporary venue up and running? Um, they, it, it quickly runs into millions. So uh, the number of millions depends on uh, how big and how flash the, the temporary stadia is, but um, you can't eliminate all the millions. 
so that's the that's the kind of size of the of the issue that we're dealing with, I guess. So rugby league park, for example, if you managed to get rugby league on board, what would that cost you to get that up and running? Well, we, we we're not at a position to reflect uh, on the specific cost of that option at the moment. I mean, I mean, at the moment, rugby league park's got two stands. Uh, that are in a pretty sorry state, but they still sit there on the ground. I mean, if we can't get them demolished, uh, then rugby league park simply won't be an option for us. So there's a there's a host of things that need to happen uh, at, at the various options we have that have quite dramatic implications for either their viability uh, or, or cost. So you were, you were talking ten million dollars at least. Oh, depending on how you configure it, I could I can get a bigger number than that. I can get a smaller number than that, depending on um, what we what we put in the stadium. So uh, it is some millions, and that's a. I mean, I know that's not a very accurate number, but it gives a, a it just gives us a magnitude or a size of scale, if you like, to 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 what we're what we're battling with. As you mentioned there, it's a case of then finding the finding that finance as well. Of course, uh, in in a in a very short. A short time frame. One of the ironies of this, too, uh, Stephen, is that rugby, through um, a, a vast number of different channels, uh, actually raised, um, you know, and, and and delighted to do so, raised really significant money for the city through a, a, a variety of different things uh, in, in the aftermath of of the earthquake. And and um, you know, I guess now we've got a situation where where rugby needs help. Uh, and um, we hope we can achieve that from somewhere. Insurance, does that cover any of it for you? No, our, our insurance, our business interruption insurance uh, had an, has an indemnity period of one year, so the earthquake on the 22nd of February uh, 2011 uh, does um, theoretically uh, protect us for 2011, uh, but our issues for 2012 um, are not covered by uh, that insurance policy. Have you discussed this with the the players, Todd Blackadder? What are their thoughts and feelings? We keep uh, everyone in the organisation um, broadly aware of of, of the uh, issues we're facing. We we don't like to burden uh, the players with all the all the detail. If, if you look at um, the ITM Cup, where our players are involved at the moment, they're um, you know, they're either playing or recovering or travelling or, or playing again, and we'd much rather they focus on, on that. Um, we clearly talk to uh, the Crusaders coaches. Todd's well aware of um, the issues we're dealing with. Um, but we've each got a role to play here, and, and you know, Todd's got a team to select and a campaign to plan for next year, and you know, we're, we're busy trying to provide the stadium for, for that to happen. The fact that 2012's out of the, out of the question, how... I suppose hopeful are you that you'll even give get back to AMI Stadium. Yeah, that's a really interesting question, and, and uh, having just um, walked right through right through the place, uh, you know, just remind you of the fact that it is our our home, and it was um, quite a sobering feeling being down there and and knowing that it was on its knees, if you like, uh, and we won't be there for 2012. We'd love to be back there. Uh, we hope that it's uh, able to be. Um, repaired and we can return to um, to playing there. That's out of our hands uh, at the moment. There's more assessments needing to be done. We have to trust that system. And you know, to be honest, we've got to focus on fixing 2012 rather than getting too far ahead of ourselves right now. You know, there'll be 
there'll be an announcement about the future, I'm sure, when the, when the council's comfortable, they've got all the info, and, and we'll need to deal with that implication as well. But uh, to be honest, right now, we just need to sort ourselves out for next year. I was talking to the Chief Executive of the Canterbury Rugby Union, Hamish Riak. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The chef de mission of the New Zealand Olympic team, Dave Curry, says he has no concerns at this stage about security for next year's London Olympics. Curry has been visiting a number of venues amid the rioting in London and other parts of the country. He spoke to Barry Guy about what he's seen. Clearly it's some uh, you know, concern to be here and see what's happened. It is localised and clearly there's a whole group of young disabilities, just uh, young people who have you know, just created havoc really. We spent the day going around venues which, you know, which are just extraordinary really. And tomorrow we start our conference where, and, and security is, uh, is one of the topics that we will discuss. We have worked closely with the organisers here over the last, uh, after the last 18 months and and we'll continue to do so. And while you know, this is something that they clearly would not want to have had happen, we have confidence in their ability to you know, work with the police, work with the government, work with our police and government in New Zealand, uh, that a year out we uh, you know, still feel high degree of confidence that they'll provide a, a good, safe, secure environment in this year. There are some test events going on this week, so they have not been affected? No, and we've travelled around freely over the last week. We, uh, we've been in Weymouth for sailing, uh, which is a, a superb venue, and that's gone very well. Uh, the middle of the week, we were at Eaton Dorney, where the World Junior Rowing Championships are on. Uh, and again, uh, we had the opportunity to do our high-performance people there, and then that went very well. And on the weekend, our Saturday was a women's triathlon, and Sunday the men's triathlon, and that went uh, very smoothly and superbly. So... All of those have gone well. Uh, yeah, we've moved around London independently by ourselves, and that's gone well uh, as well. So, look, while what's happened has been, you know, been, been you know, quite devastating for those concerned, it has been relatively localised, and the rest of London uh, has gone on, uh, you know, getting on with what they need to do, really. So you don't need to recommend anything as far as New Zealand is concerned? You're just going to leave it in the hands of the London authorities? Yeah, so, you know, we are a year out. We've got a good process that we work to very closely with the New Zealand police uh, and the New Zealand government have a, uh, a special events uh, section that, that sits under the Prime Minister's department. We met with them prior to coming away. We'll meet with them again when we go back. They are linked through to the uh, UK government and UK police. And we have a lot of faith in the advice that they give us and we will, uh, you know, we'll talk to them when we get back. How are the venues shaping up, Dave? The venues are superb. I've been yeah, privileged to be at, you know, a few games over the last 12 years, and it's fair to say that the venues are, are you know, spectacular, really. Uh, both, you know, the concept of having the village and all the major venues uh, in one complex, and the attention to detail and preparedness of them is, is extraordinary. You know, we're year out. And we saw in, uh, in the main stadium, uh, the aquatic centre, the velodrome, uh, and, and all of them are finished. Uh, you know, the, the grass is done, the trees are growing. Uh, went to uh, the centre that's going to have uh, the large convention centre where seven of the sports will be. And 
it's probably fair to say that it's impressive that all the why I have you know a, a high degree of confidence really of all the organising committees I've worked with over the last seven games. The, the London Organising Committee are the most organised, are the most honest. If they know something, they'll tell you. If they don't know, they will say they don't know, and then get back to you when they've sorted it out. So you do get a high degree of confidence that they are well on top of you know as soon as the operational things in the venues. I've been uh, very, very impressed. That's the chef demission of the New Zealand Olympic team, Dave Curry, talking to Barry Guy. Now, one of those pre-Olympic test events that Dave Curry did mention was the Weymouth Sailing Regatta. The New Zealand team manager is Rowan Lord, and he spoke to Richard Wayne about how New Zealand sailors are finding the venue. The venue is, is ideal for us um, but for a couple of reasons. One is it's, um, it's not such a hot climate as you can get in some other sort of like you know southern sort of European countries. Um, and also that the wind, the shift in direction is very similar to what we get on the east coast bays of, um, you know, in Auckland. So it's 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 very very similar, and it's great that we speak the same language, obviously. So that helps as well. And um, and the organisation of the the event has been absolutely superb, from the race management to the um, communication between team leaders, athletes, and the organisers. Very good. Good stuff. So um, the sailors also giving it a big thumbs up. You've, you've heard um, feedback from them along those lines? Um, yeah, as a, from a team manager's perspective, um, I've had sort of no negative comments um, at all, really. It's all, it's all been positive. I mean, obviously, some of the sailors um, are, you know, are achieving you know, their goals and, and, you know, and, and doing really well, and others aren't sort of doing as well as what they expected. So maybe there's a little bit of... Um, you know, apprehension there, but no negative feedback at all. Yeah. And um, you, you say that the conditions, the the shift, you say shifting winds are, are, are reasonably similar to what we experience back here in Auckland. Yeah, very similar, very similar. You got the same sort of um, some sort of climate, I guess, and um, same sort of density in the air, and and I guess the way the land's situated, you're getting the same geographic shifts as you'd have off the east coast bays, or, or quite similar. And um, then with the same thermal effect as well. So, and we've had a lot of wind over here too, which is which is good. Very different from like some places like sort of um, off LA in the summer, where it's or some some of the Mediterranean type places where it's very soft, slow moving oscillations. Yeah. Well, that's promising then. I mean, I guess if if they are familiar with the sort of conditions, if they're familiar conditions, then that could help us at at the games. Um, how do you reckon we might go, uh, you know, uh, the team itself at the Olympics? Oh, I, you know, I'd love to say, and and I, and I guess I do have sort of my own opinion, but, but you know, I'm not really in a position to say how I think they'll go, uh, really, but um, the, the team is really, you know, it's, it's a great team. And, um, you know, they're doing the preparations, which is required, really. Well, we've got some sailors who are um, like Andrew Murdoch, who's doing very well here, and you'd expect him to, if it's the same event, you know, basically the same um, event, same certainly the same, uh, you know, venue that um, perhaps he'll he'll be, you know, a contender. He was saying that this week, so you know, a, a boats boats like his laser would be right up there in the games, hopefully. Yeah, I think well, Andrew's been such a proven performer over many years. Um, he's podium at you know world champ. Um, and other words for the World Cup, Cup event. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, I'd like to think that um, you know he'll he'll do well. You know, you know, a, a race 
or a gather, you know, anything can happen. But he's, you know, he's absolute pedigree, so there's no reason why he can't do as well as, you know, what he wants. Yeah. Who would our leading boats be? Obviously, he'd be one of them, wouldn't he? Who else? Uh, well, it just really depends, actually, because because sometimes, you know, your development can be quite cyclical or you go through your peaks and troughs. So, so while he's really, you know, performing now and others may not be, you know, they may... And they, the Olympics have been in a year's time. Someone else, or you know, obviously Andrew, but you know some of the others might lift their game as well. So it's it's really hard to say. But the team is very very strong across all classes. Have we qualified for every event, Ron? No, we haven't. And the reason being is that the first Olympic selection, um, country selection, will happen at the World Champs in Perth this year, which is in December. So at this stage, no country qualified for the Olympics, except for England, which is the host nation. That's the New Zealand sailing team manager, Rowan Lord, talking to Richard Wayne. New Zealand basketball celebrating some rare international success after winning the Stankovic Cup tournament in China, beating Russia in the final. The Tall Blacks won 80-77, to having lost to the Russians previously in pool play. The tournament is part of the Tall Blacks build-up to next month's Olympic qualification series against Australia. The veteran guard Kirk Penny told Barry Guy the win is one of the most satisfying of his international career. Our best game on tour so far, for sure. We were playing against the next best team in the competition. Uh, they had just pounded everyone, you know, by 20 or 30 points, except us in pool play. And, um, you know, Russia have a lot of national team players who are who are the you know that next tier and very good and, or in the national team, and they just play so well together. They've got um, you know a great program up in Russia and and um, they showed it. The the coach of the teams, the Kazan coach, was an, which is an outstanding professional Russian team. So it's very well coached, and I'm just really happy with how the guys played and how we pulled through. And every game, it felt like um, we've improved and found ways to win. And I really thought we responded from last night against Angola, which turned out to be like a semi-final game. Um, we were really, you know, running through mud, finding everything so difficult, and we fought for the win, and it put us in the position today to play a lot better game. Um, you know, defensively and offensively, we had some outstanding plays and showed that, you know, this is what the tour is all about. It's improving and getting ready for that Olympic um, Oceania series. So it was both ends of the court that got you through? Absolutely. I mean, just huge plays, massive defensive rebounds down the stretch. Um, you know, every one of the guys did, did something special tonight and, and helped us win the game. And um, obviously, um, Mecca Vicona is just spearheaded um, defensively and in terms of rebounding. And, and we, we came out with a really aggressive attitude on the defensive end, which we hadn't done the whole tournament, we, we played a different style of guarding ball screens, and I think it mentally got us in the right state of mind, and um, we just, you know, stayed on it all game and made sure Russia got nothing too easy. This perhaps shouldn't be seen as too much of a surprise, because the bulk of you are spend a lot of time together. You play quite a bit together too, don't you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of us have been with the breakers through the years, and that continuity is always so, so important, and um, we know that we we have this month right now to improve that to, and to bring, you know, guys into the Tall Blacks group, you know, guys like Isaac Foto who haven't been in it before and really try and come together as a team and, and contribute in every way we can. Yeah, we are very familiar with each other, but when you're on tour uh, playing against world-class teams, it's never easy. And you always have to put together great performances to win. 
and um, tonight we did that, and um, I'm really proud of what we achieved. This would have to send a bit of a, a warning out to Australia, wouldn't it? Oh, I mean, maybe. I mean, that, that is the end prize for us, is playing against Australia, and it's important that um, we make strides, and, and right now I feel like we, we have, but we still have three or four weeks to go and a lot more... Uh, difficult games to be played on tour um, on opposing countries' home court. So it's a great start for us, and uh, we, you know we move forward from here. So these other matches that you've got just as valuable. Uh, do you try anything, or you just sort of just keep trying to win? Yeah, we have our system in place, and what we have to do is just execute it um, more efficiently, more precisely, and it just takes time. You've got to put in the hours, and right now. We have a wonderful um, system, you know, Ninad, Chris and Piero are uh, a, a great coaching staff that we're working with and I'm enjoying, and we all are enjoying playing for them. And um, it's just up to us as players to, to figure it out. You know, they're going to guide us, but ultimately on the court, we have to make reads as well. And I thought tonight we, we were quick at making adjustments and we're thinking the whole time on the court. And that's always a good sign and is a few veterans on the team that are able to, you know, make sure that happens. And it's all, it always feels good when it does, and, and the result pans out as well. So this is just the first step to uh, next month, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And to win three on the trot on the road um, for us, the Tall Black squad, is is a very good achievement. Um, it's, it's never hard for us. I mean, never easy for us. And uh, I just look at our team right now, and I look at how deep we are. We've got 12 guys who can all play, and... Um, you know, we haven't always had that. So when you you come off the court and go to the bench, you have the utmost confidence confidence in your teammates that they can you know keep the level very high, and they have done that this whole tournament. And um, I think that depth is going to continue to be huge for us, and including the Australian series. Okay. So just finally, how well did your victory go down tonight in, uh, at that court? Very, very sweetly, and uh, it's wonderful to hold up a championship trophy and for all the boys to get gold medals and a little prize money. So, um, you know, stoked at the start, and, and it'll breed confidence for us moving forward from here. That's the Tall Blacks guard, Kirk Penny, talking to Barry Guy. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. I'm Stephen Houston. Until next time, goodbye. 